Okay, so we are we are technically going live. Let me turn this off. We'll wait till we're for sure, for sure live. We should be live now. Hey guys, welcome to the Ugly Kitchen Challenge. Let's make sure that I'm live. I think Nicole, I'm live in the group, right? It should be. Yep. Looks like checking. It. Should be. <laughs> It's always nice when you're talking to yourself, right? <laughs> um, so we, my name is Camille Finan. I am the uh, cabinet maker, kitchen remodeler, kitchen designer. And this is day one of the Ugly Kitchen Challenge. And um, it's going to be a really fun week full of lots of great stuff for you guys, whether you are um, doing a full custom remodel or like Nicole here, who's joining us live, going to do like a partial remodel or some, some version of a remodel. We're going to cover lots of great options for you there. And um, so let me share my screen. And can you guys see me in the group, Nicole? Yes? No? Yep. You can see me. Great. Okay. So you are in the right place uh, for the Ugly Kitchen Challenge. And so what we're going to cover this week is a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about my design from the inside out process, which is DFIO, uh, which is still good. Even if you're doing a partial remodel, I still want to teach you guys some of this process that I've used over the years. We're going to talk about how to determine the problems in your existing kitchen. Um, and what that means is like both functionality, design, and the actual aesthetics of you know, why you hate your kitchen. We're going to talk about a lot of ways to solve those problems with good cabinetry, but also just um, layout and proportion and symmetry and color. Along the way, we're going to also talk about building a better budget that works for you. And what that means is not just taking the first bid you get, really understanding the bidding process. And even if that's you doing some of the work yourself, understanding what is a good value for the money and time you're putting in. We will also cover a whole bunch of stuff about cabinetry, countertops, and so much more. I will also be doing um, some discussions around how to DIY the cabinets, so how to change the color of your cabinets and save a whole bunch of money. That's sort of a specialty of mine. I really, really love doing that. And along the way, we'll cover my seven design hacks, my seven kitchen features that I feel should be in absolutely every single kitchen, no matter the scale, no matter the size of the kitchen. We will uh, also cover how to work successfully with contractors. You know, women have notoriously had a hard time working with contractors and getting really fair bids. And so I'm going to teach you some sort of ways to do that and make sure that, that, that you get what you're paying for. And then lastly, throughout the week, we're going to be doing a design board for inspiration and budgeting. So let's do a little bit of housekeeping real quick. Uh, for those of you that still have not done it, post your ugly kitchen picture inside the thread in the group. And that is so that you can win a $1,500 design session with me. I'll pick two people by Thursday. So your, your pictures have to be there by Thursday. I am not selecting by just the ugliest kitchen. I'm just randomly selecting somebody out of all the pictures, okay? So if your kitchen's not even that ugly, you still might win. And it also relates to the people that are maybe doing a new kitchen and they just want to post their picture of their inspiration. You're still, uh, you still have the option to be selected. So I'll pick that person on Friday, those two people on Friday. 
Uh, also, if you haven't gotten your dream kitchen starter guide, I want you to download that now. You can post a comment inside. Nicole will send that to you. Um, a lot of you have asked about replays. Yep, the replays will be up for a few days. Um, past Monday, the replays will be taken down. Uh, by the end of the week, I'm going to talk about a couple ways you can work with me personally. And so the replays will be all the will be there. The free trainings will be there all the way till like roughly Monday. And you can go back and rewatch them. Thursday, we're going to have a special guest, my good friend, Amanda G, who is an award-winning kitchen designer. She's out in New York. She's incredible. She's a real spitfire. She's going to join me on Thursday, and she and I are going to talk a little bit about just kitchen trends, fun things that are happening in kitchens. She has some really great insight, and she's worked with a lot of homeowners for a long time. So you're going to love her. She's got a lot of great spirit. Uh, almost last is post your questions inside the group. So if I don't cover something that you're, that you're wondering about, please feel free to post your questions. I will definitely answer them. Um, you can also tag me right at Camille Finan. And then the last little thing is, uh, I do a lot of special trainings throughout the year. A lot of special, like specialty things like how to install tile backsplash, how to do finishes, how to install kitchen handles, um, how to create a butt, like all kinds of little special trainings that I do throughout the year. And so I only generally post those in our newsletter. So if you want to sign up for the newsletter, put a comment inside of anywhere inside of the whole entire thread, say, I want the newsletter and we will sign you up. All right. So uh, I'm going to turn off my camera and get ready to start talking. I'm hoping that some of you have a coffee. I have a latte. And let me know what kind of what you're drinking this morning. But mostly I want you to put in the comments one of these four things. Are you getting ready and in the planning stage? That's a number one. Do you have your money ready and you want to create a good plan, but you're really not sure where to start? Um, are you maybe considering DIYing some of the parts and you'd like to save some money doing that? Or are you building a new house and maybe you're starting from scratch? And so you're trying to figure out like how to plan the actual overall structure that the kitchen is going to go within. So I'm going to give you guys a few seconds. I'm going to check on my um, chat real quick, and then I'm going to get into what I'm known for. So let me find my chat room and just make sure that I've got that up and admit some more people. Come on in, ladies. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we've got um, Rebecca here. Jennifer and Catherine. Catherine, I love some of your ideas. Rebecca's here. This is great. Ladies, thanks for joining me. Um, feel free to pop in. Hey, there's Catherine. Feel free to pop in if you have any questions real quick. Uh, we're just doing a little bit of housekeeping and then uh, we're going to get started and I will be keeping track of the chat. Nicole, you can also watch the chat and let me know if I missed something. All right. So Let's get started with a little bit about what I'm known for. Uh, I'm not like your typical contractor designer. I kind of have a unique spin on what I do. And what I'm known for is almost 10,000 kitchens over 27 years using my design from the inside out process. This is not what everybody else does. Uh, a lot of women has kind of assumed that a lot of designers are doing this or that contractors are thinking through a lot of the steps for them. But unfortunately, my experience has been that that's not actually the case. So I created this system several decades ago and I've been doing a whole bunch of work with that. And that includes both 
little teeny kitchens all the way up to really big custom kitchens, I still apply this DFIO process. This also applies even if you're doing like a reface or you're doing some of the work yourself. I'm always thinking through my DFIO process. So you're gonna hear me talking about that a lot. Uh, I'm really known for solving problems for regular people, right? People that maybe cannot afford to hire a five to $7,000 kitchen designer and an architect and an interior designer and a contractor, right? That can get really, really pricey really quickly. And so I'm known for um, sort of borrowing, stealing some of the features from very high-end jobs that I used to do, and then applying them to regular families and smaller jobs. So that's kind of my, my little sweet spot. You will get really honest answers to real questions here, right? I'm not gonna sugarcoat stuff. I'm gonna tell you what an actual contractor maybe won't tell you, uh, but I am a woman. I do want to make sure that you get the best dream kitchen that you can for the buck. So you'll get really straight answers from me. And my thing is all about empowering women to take control of their kitchen remodeling process. I have seen for so many years, women get taken advantage of, really kind of lose themselves in the process. It ends up being really frustrating and overwhelming, and they're not even really sure what happened, <laughs> right? So I really want to teach how to um, empower you to take control of this process, no matter how small or how big it is. And obviously, I want to save, help you save a bunch of money and um, even do some of the work yourself. Uh, I'm 100% pro women doing a lot of the work themselves. Obviously, I'm a woman, I'm five foot three. Uh, I used to be 40 pounds lighter when I was 20, but I was a really small person and I did all this work myself. So I'm, I'm very much pro DIY and putting the power back into the hands of you, the homeowner and designing on a budget, but still with professional quality. And ladies, the ones that just joined us, if you have any questions or anything, please put it in the chat. Uh, I don't mind stopping at any point in the presentation. Nicole will be letting me know if I missed something. So those of you that just joined, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. All right. So what I'm not, <laughs> it's just as important to know the person that you're learning from. Uh, what I'm not is a person that's just looking for cheap answers, cheap quality, unrealistic expectations, poor workmanship, right? Cutting corners. I'm really all about saving money, getting the best that you can of really luxury things, but still doing it the correct way. Most of you will still sell your houses at some point. So resale value is important. Most of you will eventually move on to another house. And so doing things correctly is really important. And I've seen as the person that goes in and does a lot of repairs, I have seen just what happens when a lot of the steps have been, uh, you know, skipped. And so I just want you to know that I'm always going to try to do it the correct way. I'm all about respecting honest contractors and not working with dishonest contractors. That's my whole thing. Um, I love a good quick fix, but not if it's cutting corners. And the real thing I'm not is fake HGTV style remodels. So. Uh, there's lots of people out there that do that already. There's lots of women that kind of don't know what they're doing, but they promise a lot of things. Um, and you see a lot of those sort of fake things on HGTV. They're incredibly unrealistic. And I know a lot of people that work there. And I can just tell you that what you see on HGTV remodels is not real at all. And um, so I'm all about what actually is going to make this happen for you. So that's who you're learning from. 
uh, I strongly believe that an educated woman is a force to be reckoned with. And I'm really looking to dramatically change the kitchen remodeling industry for women. So that's who you're learning from. Um, over the span of this next five days, we are going to be learning a couple of different ways of doing it. There's basically three ways to remodel a kitchen. Well, I mean, there's lots of ways to remodel a kitchen, but there's three big ways that I think about doing it. And so I'm comfortable with all versions of this. So if you're here and you're thinking of any of these, um, I can help you. So let's talk about this first one, which is you know, more of the typical full kitchen remodel, right? You're gonna rip absolutely everything out and you're gonna get down to the studs and you're gonna, or sheetrock, and you're considering either moving electrical or plumbing, you're gonna put new cabinets in, new countertops, and you're gonna sheetrock and texture, paint, new floor, new tile, appliances, right? It's a lot of stuff to do in that. So I'm comfortable answering questions around any of this, the order of those things, uh, the pricing around those things. So if you're in that boat, if you're considering doing that, feel, feel free to um, let me know in the comments. I can answer any questions you have. Then there's also this middle section here, which is what I call a hybrid. And I love doing these. Um, I can think of specifically a couple of the women in the group. I think it's Tori Silverthorne and um, even Catherine Lucetti, who I think is here. I've seen your kitchens and um, you guys are perfect for a hybrid model. And what that means is you're not ripping out absolutely everything. You're sort of losing, you're using the structure that the cabinets are already in, but you're remolding them into things that work better. And you may or may not be replacing the cabinets. I mean, sorry, the countertops, but a lot of times you're either just changing the color of the cabinetry and the functionality of the cabinetry and you're keeping your counters because you like your countertops or you're, you're changing the cabinets by a reface and you're changing your countertops, but that's just plumbing. You don't have to do all the other pieces of the puzzle. So you can save a lot of money, right? A lot of money by doing a hybrid. And then this third group of women that might be here are people that are thinking of doing, are in the middle of or planning for a new build. So you're gonna uh, do all the stuff in this first group but you also need an architect and a contractor, a general contractor. And it kind of escalates the level of complexity. And typically what happens is women kind of take a back seat to these things. They get really nervous about measuring and all the numbers involved and they kind of just let other people take over. And so if you're in that boat and you feel uncomfortable, I would love to help you with that and show you that you actually can take a lot of the ownership of these, these areas and make really great decisions. So if there's any questions, ladies, jump in. If you have anything in the chat, uh, Nicole, I can't see it. So please let me know uh, if there is something that I'm missing. Okay, so tomorrow, uh, a little bit of a sneak peek. Tomorrow, I will be talking about my seven kitchen features that solve pretty much 99% of the problems that I see. Uh, most women think that changing the cabinet color is gonna kind of miraculously solve a lot of the issues or just putting in new cabinetry is gonna solve the actual problems that they have. Unfortunately, uh, what happens is most women don't include these seven features. So it doesn't actually solve the problems. And this includes both a hybrid and a new custom um, kitchen. So I'm gonna talk all about that. I'm gonna walk you through an actual live example a before and after of 
a really crappy, ugly kitchen and how I applied these seven, these only seven features to this job and how it fixed 99% of the problems. And it was a very, um, a quite inexpensive job too. All right, so we're gonna start off with the DIYO process, which is design from the inside out. And so you guys are right here, at the very beginning, right? And what we're gonna do today is a kitchen assessment. I'm gonna uh, have you do a little bit of homework tonight and it's gonna help you. We're gonna hopefully figure out some of the issues that are going on in the kitchen right away. And the reason why that's so important is because I never move past the assessment stage and into the design stage unless I have some sense of the issues. Um, I can just tell by looking at some of the kitchens that you guys have posted, I can see where the issues are, but I want you guys to have some sense of how I got to that process, right? How, how I can see those things easily. Um, I think it's Jennifer Smith Young, who has a really dark kitchen and she's trying to figure out, she's, she's redone her countertops, but she still does not like it. And she's considering doing a full kitchen remodel, meaning all new cabinetry. So that is a perfect example of somebody and including Tori Silverthorne, who might do a reface of why you wanna do the assessment upfront so that you don't buy new cabinets or go through a refacing process without understanding what your kitchen actually needs. And if you're wondering, well, don't most kitchen designers and contractors do this. Uh, I can tell you definitively, they do not, <laughs> okay? Uh, I also used to think that this is what they did before I became a contractor. Uh, I assumed that when you hired a kitchen designer that you know she or him was going to think through all the things that I have in my kitchen and how the new cabinetry is gonna solve those issues or make sure that there's a place for them. Uh, they do not, the really super good ones do, but most of them do not actually do this. They are concerned with how to make your kitchen look pretty, how to make it look symmetrical, how to make it look uh, like it's going to take a beautiful photo on Instagram, right? And definitely contractors, if you're hiring a builder or um, a quote unquote general contractor, and you're thinking, well, he must be thinking of how I'm going to be storing my stuff. And that's how he's deciding what the cabinets are going to be. No, he is absolutely not doing that. Uh, I've watched this happen over and over and over again. And that's why I came up with this process for myself, because I also learned from those people and I saw this step being completely skipped over. So this is where we're at right here, step one. And so this is what most everybody else does right in the marketplace. Now, again, I'm not saying that there's not designers that don't use something similar to my process or that some contractors don't ask you a bunch of great questions and figure all this stuff up as they're trying to figure out the cabinet design. But I will say that 90% of them do not do this. Okay. And so what they do, and some of you who have been through a remodel or might be thinking of it, you're getting bids generally the contractor is going to say, well, just tell me what you want. Just tell me what you want. Show me a picture of what you want, right? Just pick the color that you want of your kitchen, right? So you pick all the colors and it's sort of like that becomes the substitute for cabinet design. Um, but unfortunately it's just not. And so this is the process that most of the people that come to me have already sort of, they're partially in the process of doing this. So they pick all their colors and then they demo, 
Okay, so I don't know if anybody else is in this process right now. You've already demoed your kitchen and now you're like, oh, now what do we do, right? Well, we'll figure it out as we go. This is absolutely the worst thing that you could do. Um, it puts incredible pressure on you and the contractors involved. And it typically ends up in a really bad remodel. So they demo and then they kind of assume, well, we'll just figure it out after we get the room cleared and open, okay? Um, so the problem with that is that the step right here, problems with problems. First thing is that uh, the new person that might come in and bid on that job cannot see what the old kitchen looked like. So they can't actually see and talk to you about what wasn't working before, right? And so you don't even realize that you basically just removed all the problems thinking you're helping the process, but it's actually better if we see how you were using your kitchen before and what's not working. Okay, so that we can try to figure out the new solution before we pull your cabinets out. So that's the next thing that happens. And then generally I'll get a call and they say, well, I picked my cabinet door, now what do I do? Okay, I picked my cabinet door, now what do I do? Um, unfortunately, um, so the ladies that are joining us right now, we're just talking about the process that most other designers do or contractors do and why I'm different from that. So they pick their cabinet door and they're like, okay, well now what? And so now they're on a time crunch, right? They've demoed their cabinets. They don't have water electrical appliances now, typically. So they're feeling the pinch now all of a sudden to get something done. And they think because they picked their cabinet door, meaning the style of their door and the color that like that's the kitchen, right? That's all there is to the kitchen. So now they're pressured. So they go to Home Depot or Lowe's or they call me as a contractor or a couple of other contractors. And they're like, hey, um, I just demoed my kitchen and I know my door style and I know my color. Um, I, can you give me a bid for cabinetry? So the problem with this is now you're putting a huge amount of pressure on the rest of the supply chain, right? Because most cabinet makers are at least six to eight weeks out, typically, if they're any good at all. Uh, we were six to nine months out as a good successful cabinet company. And so now you're frustrated because you can't find, let's say you find the person you wanna work with and they're completely unavailable. So now you kind of go through the process of finding a whole bunch of other people who are sort of not really who you wanted to work with. And those people, a lot of those men will take your job on and take advantage of the fact that you are under pressure, right? You, they know you are like freaking out, okay? You don't have a place to cook, wash your dishes, right? And so now you're under this enormous amount of pressure to try to find out a strategy, figure out what you're gonna do. All of a sudden, the room is gutted. You can't actually tell what it looked like before. You've forgotten the things that you didn't like before. And now you kind of pressure this, you rush a situation. And so this is the absolute worst way to do a remodel. And what generally ends up happening is you buy subpar cabinets from a subpar contractor who pressures and fits you into a strategy. He does a shitty job. Um, he's irritated because you're pressuring him. And it just, you know, it just, it just turns out really badly, right? And if you think this doesn't happen, this is actually 80% of the people who come to me. They uh, have already done all these things before they even call me and they're desperate. And they're like, what can I do now, right? So they typically end up overspending on design because they're pressured. A lot of the things get changed. They show up wrong. There's mistakes. 
Um, there's issues with quality and, and finishes. So they do a lot of change orders. They end up spending a lot of extra money. There's absolutely no strategy with functionality that's been completely missed in this entire process because she's upset and she's frustrated. And so now she, the last thing she's thinking about is how do I make sure this new kitchen's actually going to work really well, right? It's not even really part of the process. And let's say she goes all the way through with it and it gets installed and it is prettier. It is nicer looking, but it's not very functional. It might've fixed 10% of the problems just simply because it's newer, newer materials, right? But it's not really what it could have been. And it's typically expensive and really frustrating. And because of that, she has a really negative viewpoint of the construction industry and she blames the contractor, right? This is typically what happens. She blames the contractor for poor quality, a rush job. He's gone for weeks at a time because he's working on other jobs. Like the whole entire system kind of breaks down because it was never, it was always under pressure from the very beginning because they ripped out their kitchen too soon. And then she ends up just say, basically saying, my kitchen is nicer looking, but I really hate this, okay? So what my process is, is very different from that. I start with the kitchen assessment, okay? And it goes naturally, the problems and issues that we find inside of the kitchen assessment help me, help you figure out what the actual good layout of the cabinets are gonna be. We also figure out what the materials are gonna be. That's gonna be day, it's gonna be Wednesday when I talk about cabinet layout and material selection. And because I'm not pressured and I'm not making decisions willy-nilly or under a lot of stress, right? I'm actually picking things that one I can afford and things that I love. And then I'm able to build an actual budget and if there's things in there that I can't quite swing, I can go back because I have time and I can find substitutes that I'm going to like. And then I hire my people or I find the people and I'm not pressured and I get on their schedule and then I plan the demo and I start the job. And what ends up happening is you can celebrate because it was done in the correct order and you're not being pressured and the contractors that are involved are not being pressured, you know, outside of the normal pressure, but not undue pressure. And so I'm hoping that you guys, if nothing else, those of you that are even considering ripping stuff out or doing demo, don't do demo first. And instead, you at least take out of this week, this DFIO process, you create a structure that's really gonna help you not be under pressure and work with your contractors in a re realistic time, uh, time plan. All right, the biggest thing is we're gonna solve these interior problems first. Okay, so most women do not ever ask this question of themselves. Where am I going to put my Ziploc bags? So I don't know if anybody's in the chat, Nicole, you can tell me, but is anybody <laughs> even thinking about where they might put their Ziploc bags in the new remodel? Very few people actually consider this. And this is almost the number one question I ask myself when I'm looking at your kitchen. I'm thinking through where's all the new stuff going to actually go in the new kitchen, right? very specifically, where are, where is she going to put her Ziploc bags? And um, so that leads me to figuring out the kitchen assessment, because this is part of uh, how I'm able to determine myself as a designer, where you're going to actually put your stuff away, right? Right now, because I know you guys, most of your stuff is just crammed into drawers, right? Um, 
it's it's it may or may be very organized because you may be a very organized woman but typically the cabinets are not working very well for you and so what a lot of times happens is because the cabinets are not designed very well you're just sort of give up right uh you just sort of like i'm just going to put stuff wherever and uh, because it's hard to use cabinets that don't work very well so everybody pull out your uh dream kitchen assessment dream kitchen starter guide and i'm going to start with um the kitchen edit is what we're going to do first after i go through this a little bit um nicole are you there is there anybody in the chat anybody that's struggling with where to put their stuff right now let me see if, is nicole here i can't hear you nicole oh who else is I'm there here, sorry Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Um, anybody else have issues with storage right now? You can put that in the chat or just unmute yourself. Okay. And um, is there anybody there? We've got quite a few women here. Anybody there having struggles with storage? Is anybody there? I am. I'm having trouble with storage. <laughs> okay. Who's that? Jennifer. <laughs> oh, that's Jennifer. Okay. Yeah. You're the, are you the one with the really dark kitchen? Yes. But pretty, yes. it's a very pretty kitchen, but it's dark, right? Okay. Uh, okay. Right. But I mean, it's, it's a really nicely designed as far as like the cabinets are really pretty, right? It's not, I mean, it's not what I would call an ugly kitchen, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, it's you just not don't... what I dream of. That's is... true. It's yeah, fine. I mean, yeah. What it's what are you struggling with specifically? Um, just sort of off the top of your head with with storage. I don't want my appliances out on the counter. I want okay. a place where I can like maybe like a little butler's pantry. Okay. And um, I have an area that I think I could close off between our mm -hmm. dining room and our kitchen that I could maybe uh, build that into. Um, but I also have to just, I also have to find out which one, which walls are load bearing. I know one of, one of them is that we need to take, I don't know, long story short, I need to talk to an engineer, but um, I definitely don't want to see my appliances out on the counter all the time. Okay. And when you're saying appliances, like which, which ones, like your, like your Vitamix, like your mixer, yeah. like which, which, cause it helps me with the sizes of them. Sure. I'm looking right now. Um, yep. My KitchenAid, my Vitamix, toaster, Keurig, air fryer. Nice oh, block. so all of them. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot to fit. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I know the sizes of all those things. Yeah. Um, you actually have a big, a, a really nice space. There's a lot we can do with that space. So I have a couple of ideas for you um, that doesn't maybe include blocking off the, the, um, okay. the doorway, but yeah, that's great. So, um, you know, assessing like what you have and what you don't have, but other than the stuff in your inside of the kitchen though, uh, because those things are, are actually on top of the countertop, right? Do you have issues yes. with the stuff that's inside of the drawers themselves? Um, I think it could be organized a lot better. Um, okay. Like my pots and pans, you know, I have the, yeah. the cabinet doors. I'd rather drawers. Yeah, you'd rather have drawers, which you're gonna, mm -hmm. you're gonna help me talk all about that tomorrow. <laughs> I'd also rather have one of those cute little skinny um yep pull outs beside uh -huh. the stove for all my spices yep. I'd like that for sure that's great yeah we're going to talk about spices tomorrow that's one of my that's one of my things so um that's great uh anybody else want to share like issues they're having um I know for sure like Tori 
Silverthorn, like just looking at her kitchen, she's going to have a lot of issues with storage because the cabinets are a really older style. So she's going to really have a hard time keeping that kitchen organized. And that's not because of her. It's just literally those cabinets were probably made in the seventies. So it's really hard to organize a kitchen like that. I just um, need more counter space. Okay. Who is that? This is Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. Countertop. Yeah. You're the one with the blue kitchen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's my, of- my boyfriend of six years is a painter. Okay. So when it comes to colors, my kitchen bottom cabinets change all the time. Mm-hmm. So he, cause so he can see what it looks like <laughs> in diff- and, and be able to assess appropriately to his clients. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Okay. He's using it. That's interesting. So okay. once, once I figure out what to do with yeah. the color scheme, cause you know, now I'm all confused, right? It will stay there, Yes. <laughs> but yeah. now I've got my, I live in a, it, it, it's almost kind of a shotgun galley style kitchen. Yeah. Ard, I live in North Carolina and where the area that I live in is called Ard, Ardmore and Ardmore homes are not known for any storage throughout the house. Right. One closet, you know, you're mm-hmm. doing it all yourself. Yeah. So the original cabinets are personalized from the previous owners. Uh-huh. And then we added a basic stock couple cabinets and, and countertop just to give us more space but our washer and dryer was next to the fridge when we first bought the house so that's why we moved it to the other end of the mm-hmm. the kitchen um so we have a lot of dead space and yeah. we have a lot of non-traditional countertops that don't can't utilize anything one because we don't have electric electric outlets there mm-hmm. or just it's awkwardly shaped and it doesn't yeah. make any sense <laughs> yeah yeah no I saw so that it's I like, saw that can, about yours <laughs> yeah can I just get yeah. it's just I need you need help countertops <laughs> and maybe yeah. a way of functioning the kitchen to make it be like oh that actually makes more sense yeah well I'm hoping tomorrow's example where I do the seven um kitchen features yeah, I'm excited I, about that yeah and I use the before and after if when I show you just how shitty the kitchen was before and you see what that kitchen looked like you'll be like oh wow because it's 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 I mean your kitchen actually looks better than this kitchen but it <laughs> was really broken up and it had a lot of the same issues it just didn't function at all and then what we ended up doing with it made it like one whole area that really goes together so I'm hoping that'll give you some inspiration tomorrow because it's it's kind of a similar problem that you're having right now um, all right. Anybody else? So that's Catherine. Anybody else have, um, you know, uh, storage issues or anything like that they want to. Hi, this is Rebecca. Um, there's hey, a lot Rebecca. of questions about where to download the guide. Is it in one of your emails? Uh, it's yes. It's in all of the emails. Okay. Um, Nicole, uh, can you post that Nicole, maybe in the group and or in the chat here or Thanks. send that to yeah. them? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I then post it in the chat. And then my kitchen's like weirdly shaped with dead space because it backs mm-hmm. up to the shower and the bathroom. So there's mm. a wall that's nothing in the refrigerator and stove are right next to each other. And it's an old yep. G shape. Okay. Um, but we're thinking about moving it out more, but it's just, it's awkward and not enough counter space, even though they have like a old school appliance um, oh my gosh. garage, you know, yes. like in the corner of the bread box. Yep. So 
but this isn't my first time redoing kitchen. It's just wonky with the layout. So having some ideas um, yeah. from this okay. will be great. And I haven't shared mine yet because I was a little yeah. late to the party, but I will. So I love it. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Any, any other ladies? We've got quite a few ladies there. So feel free. Just jump in. Or you can. Oh, okay. I haven't sent my pictures. I just sent, do I just reply back to email to send my pictures? No, or? just, just post them in the group. There's a thread inside the group. It's got like two champagne like two little champagne glasses. If you scroll through, you'll see that thread and just post them in the comment of that thread. So just, you know, like go to the, go to that post in the, Are you Facebook. Talking the Facebook group. Yeah. in the Facebook group, okay. uh-huh. there's a little, there's a picture of like two champagne glasses and it's like, um, uh, you'll see a whole bunch of people there that in the comments, you just post some of your pictures. Yeah. And who, who was that, that just was talking about posting pictures? Yolanda. Oh, Yolanda. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Post your pics. Okay. So let's keep going here. So um, the big thing about kitchen design and, and functionality for me with the DFIO process is that uh, most, most people mix their daily use stuff with things that they're rarely using. This is by far the biggest thing that I see happening in kitchens. Um, all the time. And so it's very difficult to fix the kitchen issues when we're mixing a lot of the things that sh really shouldn't be mixed. So I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that I help a lot of my clients with is determining what is the stuff they actually use the most, the things they like the most, and compared to the things that they rarely use, they're basically just storing for eventual things, right? And we're also in this process and we're going to start it today, but it might take you a few days to kind of go, Oh, I'm getting it. Oh, I get what she's talking about now. So it's okay if it doesn't quite sink in yet. But the biggest thing that we're trying to do is determine, separate daily use from rarely used, and then size, shape, and weight. So we're going to go through both the kitchen edit and the pantry edit. And I'm going to be having you think about the size, shape, and weight of each of those items. And I don't mean like, literally, I want you to measure the items. I just mean like, um, you know, cocktail glasses weigh almost nothing. So they're a lightweight, delicate item. And then a big spaghetti pot is heavy, right? It's heavy, it's awkward, and it's big. And what I see a lot of is people mixing things that should not be mixed together in their cabinets. And so we want to just get an assessment of what you actually have so that we can then, I can give you suggestions of what cabinets are going to actually be best suited for those things. Okay. Uh, the other thing we're going to cover is that most people's kitchens, their stuff is not accessible. They might think it's accessible, but it's really not easy to get to and it's not visible. And so if you can't see your stuff, you're not gonna use it. No matter what anybody tells me, uh, I know from experience, um, just shoving stuff into your cabinets is, is like, I'm trying to get you to not do that, right? To actually be able to see the thing and be able to actually get it easily. And that relates to the daily stuff so that you're not frustrated by sorting through stuff all the time. Um, there's also this sort of concept of closest to the top. So typically we want the things that you're using the most every day closest to the top of the countertop, uh, not at the bottom of your cabinet, right? Not down where you have to get on your knees and kneel down to get to your pots and pans, those types of things. We typically want them in, within range of reaching is what we're, is sort of the goal of it. And then lastly, this 10 inch rule. And so the 10 inch rule is that basically when you open your cabinet doors, the first 10 inches are what you're actually using. 
everything else is just, you're just storing stuff. And so I can always tell generally by just walking into a kitchen, a, a woman's kitchen, and I can just see by what's closest to the front, what's the most accessible for me to get to typically, are the, or the things that are the most worn out, right? Are the things that she's actually using all the time. And my process of cabinet design is trying to, or remodeling, is trying to figure out the best way to accommodate those things. We will still have storage for other things, but if you could just start to use a lens of thinking about things that you use all the time and planning your kitchen around those things, you will free up so much storage and so much space and you will just enjoy your kitchen a lot more. Um, okay, so the action step for tomorrow, it's okay if you can't get to it, but just if you could get to it tomorrow, that'd be great. Uh, I will be reviewing some of the kitchen assessments. Um, and if you do your kitchen assessment, I will absolutely give you feedback tomorrow. So all kitchens have the same basic needs and issues. It doesn't matter. I mean, as women, we all, um, you know, we all want to think that we're special, right? That our kitchens are special. Uh, but the reality is that after doing thousands and thousands of kitchens, I see the exact same issues over and over and over again. And that's how I came up with those seven key things that I'm going to talk about tomorrow is because they solve 90% of the problems in the kitchens. So while most people, designers are worried about the colors of the cabinets and the look of the cabinets, I am trying to figure out first, how can I solve those same seven problems first? Then obviously we're gonna make it look pretty, right? That's, that's kind of the easy part, making it look pretty. So just remember that they all have the same basic needs and issues, and that is around this daily use stuff. So this is like uh, what I see mostly, this is just based on my own evidence of being with a lot of women, right, homeowners. This star represents basically the percentage of the kitchen you're actually using. And the pink, uh, big, huge pink circle is all the stuff you own, <laughs> right? All the stuff that you've bought that you're trying to cram into this kitchen. When you really only use 10% of it every day or within the week. And so what we're trying to do with this kitchen assessment process is figure out what is the star? What are the things that you're actually using the most? And we wanna design the kitchen at the very least around those things. We will still design it around storage of all this other stuff. So don't get me wrong with that. But what I really want is to make sure that you understand my emphasis is I don't move forward with figuring out how to make it pretty until I have solved me for you where your star is, where we're going to put the basic stuff, including where are your Ziploc bags going to go in the new kitchen. And this is a step that most people miss. And um, that's why just painting your cabinets a different color doesn't actually solve any of the problems, right? All right. So if you guys could pull out, I will start, I'm going to start with the, um, I'm going to start with the kitchen assessment page first, the kitchen edit. So if you pull out or print your page, um, I just printed it in black and white. You don't have to print it in color, obviously. And so the steps of this is not to create a bunch of time and, and effort for you guys. It's just really simple, common sense calculations, right? What I want you to do is tonight or this afternoon, just walk around your kitchen and think through these various items and just sort of put them in a checklist, right? And so I'm going to walk through some scenarios here between glasses, coffee cups,
kids stuff. Sorry to interrupt again. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of us are still struggling to find the tool that you shared. I know you mentioned it oh, was okay. in an email, but like which email specifically? And um, okay, uh, is that is that Rebecca? Yeah. Okay, Nicole, did you can you post the PDF in the group? So she yeah, I keep like trying and it's not working. But if you guys send me your email, I'll just email it to you guys right now. Well, will our email show up on the live stream? I'm sorry, I just don't want to. Um, oh, okay. No, but you can go back and watch this. It's recorded, Rebecca. So you can you can kind of okay. go back and and rewatch it. Yeah, and just listen for now. Um, did you try posting it in the comments, Nicole, of the Facebook group? Yeah, I did it in there, and it's just not showing. No, it shows. It's um, I think they're just it's not going to it for some reason when I click on it. I'm gonna keep trying. Okay. Um, Rebecca, it's also in almost every single email we just sent out to you. Um, I'm not sure if you're on the email list, but uh, if you post your email in the chat, Nicole will get it to you right now. But it's, um, it's, in, it's a link inside of almost every single email we sent. It should say, um, get your freebies, right? Get your bonus freebies. And it's so delivered. I just put the link of one, uh, the guide for me. I just made okay. it into a PDF and just put, posted the link into the chat. Uh -huh. So just highlight it and put it, copy and paste it and put it in your bar and see if that'll work. Was that, who was that? Sorry, say that one. Catherine Lucetti. Oh, that was Catherine. Okay. It says users gink downloads dream kitchen. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'll it'll try. work, but that's kind of what I had it pulled up already. So I just went ahead and did that. Yeah, it's also in your messenger. So if you clicked on the messenger bot, it should deliver it automatically to you and you can download it. But um, we'll make sure everybody gets it, you know, by the end. Um, okay, so really, realistically, what you're going to do is go into your kitchen and you're going to just think through with the lens how are you personally used? Like everybody uses their kitchen in slightly different ways, right? I mean, all kitchens are the same, but the, the things that you're storing and the things that are important to you are different. So for instance, you might be a person who collects coffee cups and you have coffee cups from all over the country and you have like 35, 40 coffee cups. And so you need to write that down. You have a lot of coffee cups. I have like four coffee cups, right? I have a lot of cocktail glasses, okay? so. Storing cocktail glasses is different than storing coffee cups. One is more delicate, one's heavier, bulkier. I may want to see my cocktail glasses, so I might want them displayed. Um, so like that's an example of just quickly looking, quickly writing down, you have 85 coffee cups, right? Or you have five coffee cups. If you're a mom and you have littles, you might have a bunch of sippy cups and Tupperware and things that you're constantly washing all the time, right? Like you're, you're just washing like 85 coffee, uh, 85 sippy cups a day. So that's a different kind of use of your kitchen. If you um, uh, cook a lot like me, I have a lot of um, specialty large utensils, right? Because I like cooking. And so I probably have more large utensils than the average kitchen. And how I'm going to store those utensils is different than kids stuff. Or coffee cups. So you're just roughly walking around your kitchen and you're getting a sense of your kitchen style. What do you actually use a lot of? Okay. Maybe you, um, you entertain a lot. Maybe you're in a church and you, you do, you host big church parties or something, and you're cooking for 20 or 30 people. And so you have really a bunch of really large platters, whereas I might just have two platters. 
So the kitchen edit is all about just getting a sense of what is unique about you, roughly how much stuff do you have of each of these, the volume, the size, right? And again, I don't mean like actually weighing every single thing. I mean, just if you have some unusual big pots and pans and they're really heavy and big and they're not going to fit in a regular size cabinet, you want to put that down, right? And I know it seems really obvious, but nobody ever does this part. It seems like, oh, well, all the stuff is just going to fit in the new kitchen. And I can just tell you it doesn't. So we want to do this um, ahead of time so that I can help you figure out what the best um, solutions are to what you personally have. Okay, so right. I have a question for you. So yeah. for those of us that have those kitchens that um, A, require storage that we lack, mm -hmm. you know, I've got, I've got things placed all over the house. Majority of it's in the basement. And so therefore I lose track of- Right, is this Rebecca? What I have. And I feel like if I, if it was around, I'd use it. <laughs> is this, is this Rebecca? No, this is Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Okay. Uh, yours was, oh, but you're the blue kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I already had some suggestions about that, but it would involve redoing your cabinets basically okay. Re remodeling them. Yeah. Refacing them. I don't think you need to actually pull them out necessarily, but I already had some ideas around that because I could just tell by looking at your cabinets that you're not able to actually access very much stuff. It's not very accessible. No, so when I first moved yeah. in there, I actually um, took a picture. I got a great deal from a friend in, in um, Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where I went to school. I refaced my cabinet, my lowers already uh -huh. and okay. my uppers to look like stock um, cabinet doors. So that way, when I did decide to buy an extra, like what we were doing, we right. didn't have to have an awkward style. Okay. So all my cabinets, even though they're custom sized, they all look like stock, stock cabinets that you get from Lowe's. Got it. Okay. You're saying, so you're saying that they, that all the pieces. That, yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And again, you don't have actually like, that's not a lot of space for cabinetry as far as money. That's not a lot of cabinetry. It's just the cabinetry that's there, right? And how functional it is. So I have some ideas for you. And after we get through like next next tomorrow, um, I might be able to make some solutions, you know, have some suggestions for you. But yeah, that's another situation of, you know, you, it's, it's hard to use stuff that you can't see, <laughs> right? Because it's in the basement. So you specifically, I'd like you to do your kitchen edit, do the pantry edit and actually just quickly have some numbers on there so that I can see that and post it in the group. So I have a sense of how much volume of stuff are we actually, what's the size and shape of these things? And what are we actually ideally trying to put back into the new kitchen, right? Uh, okay, uh, was it Jennifer raised her hand? Yes, I have okay. a question when you when you talk about refacing. Yeah. Um, my upper cabinets, I hate, the doors that have the outdated arch yeah um would refacing mean switching out those cabinet doors is that what yeah. you mean by refacing yeah it, okay. it, it means ordering new doors and making them uh -huh. soft closing right so soft okay. closing hinges new door style and then typically changing re actually painting them a different color and the, okay. and the boxes themselves that's that's typically what most people call a reface what i call a reface is where you actually remodel the inside of the cabinets themselves as well 
because okay. you're already you're already doing most of the hard work is the is the repainting and the new doors right mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. might as well remodel the cabinets so they look like you put in all brand new cabinets okay is there a way to because i have the staggered um cabinets that i don't love and that one big fat corner cabinet yeah which i actually use a lot but i could find another place to put that junk um is there a way to reface cabinets to make them not staggered by adding molding or something that looks right? Or is that just something I'd need to be okay with? Um, are you handy a little bit yourself or access to that? Because one of the issues with your kitchen specifically is there's too many, um, there's too many changes of elevation and uh -huh. there's too many changes of depth. Right. Or that's for the size of the kitchen. Those mm -hmm. types of cabinets where you have a lot of changes in elevation and depth mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. really well in 10 foot ceilings, but not very well in right. eight foot ceilings. It's too busy and it's yes. too much movement for the eye. And then it's Agreed. dark on top of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if you did it in white, it would still, you still wouldn't like it. It would give you right. a lot of uh, like your brain is like, uh, I don't know. Right. So right. in, in your case specifically, I, I, I haven't looked at it like super in depth, but I would even maybe consider doing a partial reface where you take down the uppers completely and you just sell them on next door mm -hmm. or Facebook or marketplace or Etsy or something. And mm -hmm. you put in new uppers that fit okay. the actual room size and shape. And okay. maybe you reface the bottoms. So they match the top and no one that would ever sense. really know that that wasn't done right so there's like yeah. a lot of different things we could do with yours specifically but um we can't get this apart but um, <laughs> but but specifically yours with all those different elevation changes and depth changes oh, it, it wasn't a great it, it's not the quite right room for that you know what i mean right i oh i agree and yeah. i'm just gonna have to convince my husband because they're real walnut Right. Oh, I can like, tell they're, that's what I meant by it's a, it's a beautiful kitchen. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. Like they're not ugly. They're just in the wrong house. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get, we're going to get to that okay. after we maybe figure out a budget and we figure out like what we could actually do with it. Um, sure. you know, I'm sure there's going to be some ways that we can make that, you know, workable for you guys. And where are okay. you guys located? Kansas city, Missouri. Oh yeah. That's right. You're Kansas city. Am I? Okay. All right. Thank you. That's what I just wondered about the refacing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do, I'm really good at doing combinations where you literally cannot tell what's refaced, what's new, what's remodeled. You're just like, wow. Right. Like that's yeah, kind of my, awesome. that's kind of my thing that I really like doing. Um, okay. So that's the kitchen edit. So again, don't like overanalyze it too much. Don't think this is going to take you hours. Just in 10 minutes, you should be able to just look around your kitchen, walk around your house and go, oh, I have 15 of these, I have two of these, I have six of these, I have three full sets of, you know, of dinnerware that I need because I entertain with the church all the time or with a big family, or you don't have any of that and you have a bunch of baking stuff or you have a bunch of smoothie stuff because you work out a lot, like whatever is unique to you, I want you to personally know what's in your own kitchen, right? And have it on a piece of paper, okay? Um, and then the pantry edit. So let's talk about food. This is another big area where there's a bunch of wasted space. And um, I'm going to talk about a solution tomorrow of what I do with pantry items typically. But right now, I just want you to have a sense of how much food you actually process in your kitchen in an average week or month, right? So 
Um, I'm going to walk through like we've got cereal and cans and flour. So those are like three big things that I'm going to talk about that might be different in different people's spaces. So I don't eat cereal. I've never eaten breakfast. I should, but I've been a contractor for a long time and I've always been out of the house by five or 6 a.m. in the morning. And so um, I never got used to eating breakfast, right? So I don't have any cereal boxes at all in my pantry. But on the flip side, there might be a family that has five or six or 10 large cereal boxes, right? Well, when you think about planning cabinetry around that, of course, you need to know that there's space and volume for those versus in my space, it's mostly a bunch of like all kinds of specialty flowers. Okay. Cause I like baking. So I just want you guys to sort of detail quickly, go and look in your cabinets. I know you're going to have food in your main cabinets because you probably don't have a pantry, right? Or if you have a pantry, a lot of times it's just crammed in there willy nilly because the cabinets don't work very well. And you just sort of like given up, right? You just throw your hands in the air, like whatever chips are mixed with cans, cans are mixed with cereal. That's mixed with rice. It's mixed with stuff from Costco. It's mixed with dessert items. Like everything's just jumbled together. And I want you to just quickly look at your pantry or your food items and write down a general sense of the amount of volume of that so that I have a sense of, are you a baker? Are you a mom with littles and you're doing a bunch of little, uh, little snack packs and stuff like that, right? Are you, do you work out all the time and you have a bunch of um, big, huge, uh, you know, like those protein cans, right? Those big protein jars. Do you have, um, um, you know, are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? Are you gluten-free? Are you, do you like sweets? Do you not like sweets? Like whatever is specific to you, I want you to know your own habits and what you're using in food. And if you notice, I've got frequency. Frequency is really important in cabinet design. Um, if you tell me that you, you on average have, you know, uh, 15 cans of tuna or 15 cans of tomato sauce, and you're making um, you know, humans are creatures of habit. So the things you do, you do all the time. And so like, I like doing roast chickens, right? I loved my little rotisserie maker. So I do two chickens a week. Okay. And I don't have any children at home, but I love roast chicken. So I have chickens in my freezer. I have my rotisserie thing that I use. And so that's like a habitual thing that I do. Some of you might do a lot of sandwiches. You might do so each of us has patterns that we're using and it's important to know how often and frequently you're doing those things and how you're storing those things. Does that make sense? Or is anybody, is anybody confused about why we might want to know that? Even though I know it seems kind of weird to want to know, but it does make sense eventually. Is everybody good? Who's that? Is that Jennifer again? Oh, sorry. I heard somebody. Okay, so that's the pantry edit. That's the kitchen edit. Um, I just want you to do it very quickly, not have to overthink it. I just want you to know your own habits and how you're using the foods that you're using and the utensils and platters and cups that you're using. All right. Um, all right, I will wait a few seconds. I'm gonna get a glass of water real quick. If anybody has questions around food storage, now is the time to ask it before I go on. Nope, okay. Everybody's got their food stuff organized. Is that what I should be thinking? 
I don't. That's why I need a bigger space. <laughs> yeah, I purposely, I purposely didn't put any pictures of pantries on here, bad pantries, because I already know what they all look like, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm, uh, I've seen a lot of pantries. We're crammers. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's just part of the nature of kitchens. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to show you a way that you don't have to cram stuff in there. That's my goal. Um, okay, for those of you that just joined us, we just went through the kitchen edit and the pantry edit. Um, you can print off these pages. And then for tomorrow, your action item is action step is to fill these out as best you can. Try to kind of just document a little bit of the ways that you're using and the volume of the individual things that you have. Don't overthink it. Just sort of quickly spend 10 minutes. It's really quick to do. And or if you're not sure, take a picture of your kitchen and I will be able to do your kitchen edit for you. I guarantee it. If you open your doors and you take a picture of your pantry or your food, I will be able to do this for you myself. Uh, I can do it in a split second. All right, moving on. So now we're going to talk about your dream kitchen a little bit. So those of you that are joining us, I think we have, uh, Nicole, how many people do we have right now? Um, I see nine on the Zoom. Okay. So of the ladies that are here and those of you that are at home watching, um, I want to just take a few minutes really quickly and write out a tiny little list of what do you consider your dream kitchen? Like, what does that mean to you? That could be colors. It could be what it does. It could be how it functions. It could be some specialty things. I just want, I want each of you to write down when you're thinking about a dream kitchen, what, is, what does that mean to you, each of you, right? can't hear anything with that thing. And talks. <laughs> okay. Anybody want to, anybody have an idea? I mean, I know Jennifer basically wants functionality and at the top of her list is a, is a butler's pantry and maybe um, different uppers and color, right? Yep. Yeah. And Actually, appliances. Yeah. This is Yolanda. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Yolanda. Um, well, my dream kitchen would, I would want it to be bright. Um, okay, I love that, me too. Um, inviting, I want it to be a warm place as well. Someplace okay. I want to spend all my time. I love that. <laughs> I, like, I like to cook, so me too. I good. need a good oven and a good stove. Um, and definitely places for my appliances. As long as I have a place to put processor, mm -hmm. um, yeah. mixer, things like that that's easily accessible to me okay. um that would be great and some place to display really good dishes um okay that's what I like mm -hmm. what what color are your what do your dishes look like that you want to display are they are they colorful or are they just sort of um elegant like can you kind of describe them a little bit um they're more um formal they're not really okay. anything um with a lot of color maybe a little yeah. bit of of gold or silver on them okay um and some that were some china that was passed down from my grandmother um other than that there's not too much i want to display i i need more counter space i feel like there's never enough counter space yeah um, in my kitchen so i need a wide open space um Mm -hmm. to, other than that um, i would like a look to my dream kitchen of course i would like a little nook where i can sit down but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be <laughs> Okay. And when you say sit down, do you mean so that like you can have a cup of coffee or do you mean like a little bar where there's actually people sitting across from you 
or, and I haven't seen the size of your kitchen yet, but is it, you know, are you kind of just even just for yourself or is it, is there, are there going to be other people that are sitting with you? No, more like a, 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 just like a little desk space um, for myself, just for one person to sit. Um, I was, I did try to design or start a design for how I want my kitchen to be remodeled. And it did have a bar, which it doesn't have. Um, it's to the, the way it's constructed and the door, yeah. doorways. I can't have an island. It just okay. wouldn't work um, because it's more of a rectangle kitchen. And, and um, unfortunately, the entrance ways would, it would just mm -hmm. look awkward to have an island. So yeah. um, I wanted to create a, a small, like little bar area or counter okay. space area that I can multi-use for um, two people possibly sitting there up, up at a little bar or for just counter space that okay. has storage. Okay. And we're- I can send that too. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I'll, I'll look after we get off, we'll look at your, your space inside the group that you posted. Um, where are you located? I'm in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Stone Mountain, Georgia. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Some of the reasons why I ask you guys where you're located is because it helps me have a sense of the cost you might be paying right in different parts of the country. Okay. And so it helps me understand what your budget might be eventually. So that's plus, I just like knowing where you're from. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I love Georgia. So, <laughs> um, okay. And when you say bright and inviting, do you have a sense of um, the door style or like more modern, more traditional, more country? Do you have a sense of like, what is bright and inviting to you at this point? And you may not yet, but do you have a sense of that? I, um, I don't, um, not really. Um, okay. I do like modern and contemporary, but my yeah. home is more of a ranch style, country style home. So the kitchen is, is, was built in the seventies. So everything about the mm. house, um, is more like, yeah, country. I know, I know what you so. have. <laughs> like, I know what you have. Uh, um, okay. God love the seventies, right? <laughs> When men were in charge of cabinets. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. I know exactly what you have. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thanks for sharing. This will be really fun to come up with um, a dream board for you this week. So, um, okay. So anybody else want to share what they're thinking in their dream kitchen might be? Organized, clean, fresh. Okay. <laughs> and so who's that? This is Catherine. Okay. I, I'm, I'm in a quandary because I like a big kitchen. I grew up in yeah in rural Ohio on horse farms oh, where yeah you have lots of space lots of space where my grandmother turned couch you know our living room yeah. was inside our kitchen because she believed that that's where everybody wanted to be anyway uh -huh. so I don't have any I don't have any places for people to sit I don't have any yeah. dining space for any of us because it's just it's just a very long tiny rectangle so if that's not going to be an option yeah then I feel like I just want it to be organized and feel as open as possible with all my gadgets and gizmos close at hand. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of where I am. <laughs> and, and, and color and color wise, you're open to changing the colors that you have right now. Yeah. I'm always open for that. Um, I have to be, cause my house changes on a regular basis. Um, no, I'm, I'm very neutral. I'm very traditional. I'm very Scandinavian style colors. Mm, okay. Um, so I like my, my 
my topes, my, <laughs> my, never, my, my, that's really my, cute. I don't think I've ever heard, I don't think I've ever heard a woman say that I like my topes. <laughs> I like my topes. That's okay. the first thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that gives me a little bit better idea of sort of what you're trying to do with what we have. Right. Um, okay. Anybody else want to share what would be, you know, what they consider their dream kitchen? This is nope. Rebecca. I'll jump okay. in. Yeah. Lots of spice pull-out drawer cabinets, counter space, an island, um, a pantry for baking supplies. Right now, I think we have a pantry on the other side of the wall and the spice cabinet on this weird G-shaped location. It's just outdated. Yeah. So um, lots of drawers, lots of beautiful colors, maybe like a sage green with some natural wood mm. um, and a hood nice. for the stove but you know dependent on cost and maybe go with like gold or black fixtures just for okay. um sink and stuff and then figuring that out i posted a picture on the facebook group we have this pinky um rose colored brick fireplace that goes floor to ceiling kind of mm. mid-century so trying to figure that all out for something classic um with our house has white and red oak floors. Um, so we just got them resurfaced. So kind of just like matching the feel and natural since we live in Seattle. Okay, I was gonna ask where you're at. Okay, yeah, great, love it. Got women all over the, all over the world. That's great. Um, okay, so let's, uh, if anybody wants, just jump in, raise your hand so I can see it on the screen and I'll um, come back to you if you wanna talk about your dream kitchen. We're gonna move forward with, um, the next little step, which is where we're going to start the process of creating a design board and um, sometimes called a mood board. I call them storyboards, but um, it's a design board that's going to help to distill um, some of the thoughts that we we're talking about, right? That have been running around in your head and, uh, you know, trying to figure out like, how can we make these things come to life? So the reasons, I mean, I don't always do a design board, but I do find that they are very, very helpful for a lot of women. Most of the women that um, come to me have been dreaming about a kitchen for, you know, six months, two years, three years, five years, right? And so they have all of these thoughts swirling around in their heads and you're pinning a lot of stuff and looking at a lot of stuff and it just becomes really overwhelming and frustrating, right? So the design board really helps us to distill and start to make some choices and force us to choose things, right? Um, so we're gonna talk about different ways to at attach it, the materials that you use, and a little bit around um, constraints and why those things work so well. So um, another reason why we need a design board is because it helps us figure out costs. And so if we don't have, if we just sort of have a general sense of what we're looking for, but nothing on, nothing tangible on a, on a board, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to go to a contractor or to go into a store and show them the design board. And um, you'd be surprised at how much more organized you look to the person that's on the other side of the whatever equation. And typically you'll get faster bids. You'll get stuff that's a lot more organized. And um, a lot of times you'll get lower bids because they assume that you know what you're doing. They assume that you look organized, right? And it helps you be a better customer is what I always like to say. So um, I want to talk about um, some of the materials to use. I personally like using clips from magazine cutouts are fine, but I also really like using the actual material, little samples that I get from Lowe's and Home Depot. And I like the textural elements. So for me, the two big things that I see that are missing 
um, and a lot of design boards are textural elements and metallics. And those make a really big difference in a kitchen. So uh, as we go through this process this week, right, I want you guys to be going out and getting some stuff, trying to find some things that look close to what you're looking at. And you're gonna put them on this board. I like to use foam board myself, quarter inch foam board. And I really wanna make sure that each and every one of you has at least one metallic option on there. So um, Rebecca was talking about gold, right? So even if it's not the exact handle that you want, like this, 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 the look of it, it might be the finish that you might end up using. And so uh, metallics can change a kitchen very dramatically. And so I don't want you to lose, I don't want you to not include uh, metallics on your board. I also like using, I personally, I like using foam board because I can stand it up in different places, right? I can lean it up in my existing kitchen. I can look at how light changes the colors over time. I can move it to different spots in the house. I can throw it in my car, my truck, or my purse really easily. It doesn't bend and, and flop all over the place. So that's why I like using foam board. And then the other reason is because I can drill some holes in it and attach my handle, right? And I can literally carry it with me wherever I go. So um, the size that I like to use is um, a 15 by 12 inch foam board. So um, for the sake of today, I have actually a wooden bowl that um, I have. I'm gonna be doing two design boards myself along with you guys. So let me see if I can turn my camera back on real quick. Let me see if I can, hopefully you guys can see me. Can you guys see me? Maybe, let's see, can I see you guys? Yeah, there you are. There's all those lovely ladies. Okay, so I am personally gonna be going along this process with you guys. And so I have, or my, I have a foam board behind me that's on that wall. I'm gonna cut it into two pieces and I'm gonna design along with you guys two options for a new client that I have. And I'm using this bowl, this beautiful black and honey bowl. I'm hoping you can see that. This was made to me for my 52nd birthday last uh, month ago. Um, a girlfriend of mine made me that bowl. She turned it herself. And so I'm going to use that as my design inspiration. And I'm going to go out to Lowe's and Home Depot and find some things and, and basically create two different looks of kitchens based on that bowl. Okay. And um, so that's just what I'm doing for fun. And does anybody have questions around creating a design board, how to do it, uh, why we want to do it, any of that? And I can answer some of those right now. Everybody, has everybody already done one before? Yes, no? I have not. Okay, so that's not very hard to do. Now, obviously you can just use regular cardboard. You don't have to use white foam board. Um, poster board is really kind of tough because it flops all over the place and you're gonna be frustrated, right? Um, that's why I like the foam board, but you could also just use regular cardboard. Um, if you have any piece of like quarter inch wood around your house, the key is you don't want it too big. You don't, you want to be able to take it with you and make it portable because you're going to be going out eventually and, um, hiring contractors, talking to contractors, and you want to be able to take that very easily with you. You don't want it to be super awkward. Um, I also want you to be able to like lean it up against granite, lean it up against flooring. Um, you just, you want it to be really portable. Uh, I hot glue my pieces on 
I don't know how anybody else does it, but I love a hot glue gun <laughs> any day of the week. So I love hot gluing the pieces on because it's so incredibly fast and you can put like a piece of tile on, a piece of cabinet, cabinet door on, um, all kinds of things will stick with hot glue. And then the nature of hot glue is once it's cooled and it's like, you know, strong, you can take like an uh, ice cube or there's even a, um, I have that little spray can that you, you know, you clean off your keyboard, right? With that little squirt of air. Well, it actually comes out kind of cold. And so when you squirt that air on the hot glue gun, you can actually just break off your old pieces. So if you have something on there that you don't want, it's easy to just break the piece off and then hot glue something else on. So that's how, that's how I use it. And I also use double-sided sticky tape. Sometimes I'll just paper clip things on there. Like I'll cut out a cabinet door and I'll paper clip it on there and then I'll take it on and off and I'll kind of play with, I'll play with it, right? I'll think about what I'm, what I'm doing. The big reason we're doing this is so that we can get pricing associated with um, the design board. We can't really move forward unless we have prices attached to things. And that's generally the step that, you know, people shy away from. They're uncomfortable doing that or they don't really know how to do it well. And so um, I believe Thursdays when we're talking about getting bids and better ways to do that so that you get really good bids that you feel really comfortable with. Um, okay, any questions around that and how to do it and why we're doing it? And I'll wait a little bit here for people to think about it. I have some things that I had gathered um, mm -hmm. during COVID. Yeah, is this Yolanda? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> that I was going to, that I was thinking about using and the okay. color. I'll have to find those sample pieces so I can pull that together. Put those together. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see pictures of your guys's design boards by the end of the week um, and be able to give you some suggestions. Even if I, like, if I see your design boards, if you take a picture of it and you post it in the group, right? In the Facebook group. I can give you some ideas on pricing. I can just look at the materials you're using and I can be able to estimate a lot of times like what your cabinet cost is gonna be, uh, your countertop cost, your tile cost, right? But if I don't see the materials that you're thinking of using, it's hard for me, it's, we're just basically talking back and forth, right? So if you, if you can post that, then I can give you some even more defined um, you know, information around your budget, which we're doing your budget on uh, Wednesday. No, budget is Thursday. We're doing contractors on Friday when we do the giveaway. All right, so I'm gonna talk. If, does anybody else wanna jump in and you have questions around design or things you're struggling with or you're not sure what to do with your design board? Nope, everybody's good. Okay, so I wanna go through um, constraints uh, and why constraints are your friend, right? Why we need constraints. So within kitchen design, right, within kitchens, um, all of you know that there are lots and lots of choices, right? Just so many choices. And um, unfortunately, what I see a lot of my clients do is they kind of get stuck in this design loop where they can't really pick something because they're so worried about missing out on the next thing that's going to happen, right? Something prettier, better, right? Yeah. And so um, I wanted to tell you guys a little story around why creating a design board helps us create some constraints and why creating constraints actually um, helps us make good choices and feel comfortable, feel confident. And so the 
biggest reason is so I'll tell you the story around um, picking a tie. It's a, it's a very famous um, psychological experiment where um, they had a bunch of men try to pick a tie and to prove the fact that having unlimited choices actually makes it harder to pick things. You think it's, it's sort of counterintuitive. You think by having a bunch of choices that it's actually gonna make you feel better about the things that you pick, right? But it's very counterintuitive. So they ran this experiment. It's a very famous experiment. And they had a bunch of men go in. They told the men that they're gonna have a, um, uh, like let's say they have an interview on Wednesday. So they're going shopping for a tie on Monday. The interview's on Wednesday. So they, he doesn't have a lot of time. He goes to either Nordstrom or Target or Walmart or someplace to find a Sears to find a tie. He walks in and there's just thousands of ties, so many colors, right? Just every possible kind of tie is out there. And he's like, oh, well, I really like yellow. I think that's kind of like a power couple, power color for me. So he goes to the yellow, the, the, the circular thing of yellow ties. And he's looking at all these ties and he finds a tie and it has like little white polka dots. And he's like, oh, I love this. So he starts to walk out of the store and he sees a tie that's yellow, but with, with slightly different, bigger dots. He's like, well, maybe I should get this one. Then he starts to pick one. He starts to walk out and he's like, oh, but this one has like dots with stripes. And he's like, oh, this is really nice. And he just keeps going back and forth and back and forth between all of these yellow ties. Then he thinks he's definitely found the tie and he happens to walk by a rack of lavender silk ties. And he's like, oh my gosh, this one is lavender, but with yellow dots on it. Okay, and so then he's back into the spiral of, oh my gosh, which tie should I buy? He spends hours and hours and hours in there. He eventually just gets a yellow tie with white stripes. And as he walks out of the store, he's interviewed and they say, hey, how did you feel about your purchase? Or, you know, did you really enjoy that shopping experience? Um, how, how, how prepared do you feel for your interview on Wednesday? And he's like, oh, it's just, it's horrible. Like, I don't think I picked the right tie at all. I, there was like so many ties and I, I wanted, I really wanted this other tie, but I'm not really sure. And so he doesn't feel confident at all about his choices. And he goes into the interview on Wednesday. He's kind of, he's kind of depressed. He doesn't feel like he looks really good. He's still thinking about all those ties that he could have picked that would have maybe made him look better, more confident. And he's just not comfortable at all, right? He's not having a good time. And it was just the purchase of a tie. So then you flip that, they do the experiment again. They send, they send people in to buy a tie for an interview on a Wednesday. They go in on a Monday and they only give the person three choices of a tie. There's a yellow tie with white polka dots, a lavender tie with a silk background and a white tie with gray polka dots. That's it. There's only three choices. They send a different group of men in. They say, these are the, the choices that you have. Your interviews on Wednesday, pick your favorite tie. They pick their tie and on their way back out, they're interviewed and they ask the exact same series of questions. And the person's like, oh my gosh, I just picked my favorite tie. This lavender silk tie is gonna make me look so good. I feel so confident, so comfortable. And so he's super happy, right? He goes into his interview on Wednesday. He nails his interview. After the interview, they ask him, how do you think he did? He says, I think I did really good. I think I got the job. I feel incredibly good about it. I feel like I looked really good. And um, I love the tie that I picked. So this is a very good example of the kitchen remodeling process, right? There are so many incredible choices all the time that you're going to come across. And it never, ever ends. Even for myself, I'm constantly like, 
oh, I should have done that in my kitchen. Oh, I could have done that in my kitchen, right? Because I can do literally anything. But I myself had to apply constraints to give myself some level of confidence that when I finished my kitchen, I was actually going to like it. Because the worst thing that can happen is you spend money, you spend a bunch of time, you go through the process, and you're still not happy with your kitchen. And I've seen this happen so many times because the woman does not understand that at some point you have to start limiting your choices and you have to pick some things and you have to be comfortable with them, right? So the process this week, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the choices that you end up selecting, I think are going to work really well for you. And they're going to give you a dream kitchen, but just know that what actually makes a dream kitchen is that it solves well, one, it looks and functions a thousand percent better than what you have right now. That's the number one thing. And then number two, it solves or looks or whatever about 70% of the things that you want. Because the reality is, I hate to tell you, there is no kitchen that has a hundred percent of every single thing that you can ever think of in it. And I'm going to say that again. It's hard to hear. There is no kitchen that has 100% of every single thing you can think of or will think of included, right? That does not make a dream kitchen. And even for myself, I don't have 100% of what I want in my kitchen, but I love my kitchen. I adore my kitchen. It is so much better than what I had before. And it solves 70 to 80% of the problems that I wanted to solve are 100% solved. So I'm just sort of giving that to you guys. You can take it for what it is, but my process or... You know, my experience of thousands and thousands of women going through this process, the women that turn out that are really happy at the end of it are those women that understand that applying constraints and starting to pick some things and attaching them to money, because that's the next biggest constraint, right, is what we can afford, what we want to spend money on, doing that process and then letting go of that and working on how to implement it, those women end up being the happiest women with the end results. And the women that still think they're going to get 100% of absolutely everything, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's more unlikely, those women end up being very dissatisfied no matter what they pick because there will always be some other beautiful thing that you couldn't include in your kitchen, right? And um, so I'm just letting you know that constraints are your friends. They will hopefully help you pick the perfect tie for you and that you can then be confident in your choice and, um, you know, just enjoy your kitchen, right? Enjoy your new kitchen. All right, I'm gonna move on. We're almost done. I appreciate your guys' patience here. Uh, raise your hand if you have questions. I don't mind at all interrupting. And so I know all of you are, there, are here because you either have an ugly kitchen or you have a kitchen that's not working for you or you're planning a kitchen and you wanna get the biggest bang for your buck. And so what I'm really known for is figuring out how to steal ideals ideas from fancy kitchens and then share them with you, share how to make it look like a $100,000 kitchen for $20,000, for $9,000, right? That is my sweet spot. That is the contractor I am. So use me for these five days, okay? Because this is what I'm really good at. And um, unlike most designers and contractors, they're trying to actually spend the most amount of money. I really like trying to figure out a professional way to make it look like a $100,000 kitchen but for way less money, but still do it correctly, okay? So over the course of tomorrow, I'm gonna to show you my seven things that are gonna give you the biggest bang for your buck. 
and are going to solve most of the problems that we've been talking about. And I'll be able to get into um, a lot of the a lot of your specifics with each of you. And thank you for sharing. I've already got some some ideas for the ladies that are here. If you haven't posted after we're done here, feel free to post anything and tag me, right? Tag at Camille Finan, and I will see your post inside the group and it'll help me, uh, you know, figure out what we can do moving forward. Tomorrow, I'm gonna go over those seven design hacks and also how to create a roadmap, how to know what the process is for each of these. And so you kind of know step-by-step step what, what works. And I'll start promptly at 10. I'm usually here a few minutes early. So if anybody wants to jump on early and I see you, I'll let you in the Zoom room. If you have specific questions for me, just come on early. And um, don't forget to post your pictures by Thursday of either the kitchen you have now or the kitchen you want, but put it under that thread inside of the Facebook group. And I'm gonna pick two people randomly to get a $1,500 design session with me um, on Friday. So All right. I have a question. Yes. I Work. Is this Rebecca? No, I'm sorry. This oh. is Catherine. Oh, Catherine. So okay, I, are these going to be recorded? They are recorded. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Good, 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 yeah. good, good, good. They're streaming good. into the group right now. So you'll be able to see it in the group, right? Okay. And it's, and it's recorded. So this will be. Good. I'm Cause gonna... I, I have, I have work a couple yes. work meetings. Yeah. Yeah. During. Yep. During the, a couple during days during this week. So uh -huh. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No worries. Like we, of course that's going on. Right. Um, but yeah, the, there'll be a replay at five o'clock tonight, five o'clock PST. It'll stream live again. And I will be on live, not in the video, but I'll be live in the comments. So if there's questions that come up as you're watching something, I'll be watching the Facebook group. And if you have a question that you didn't think of before, you can post it right under the video and I will answer it live. If that makes sense. Um, or you can just watch it and tag me anytime in the group and say, Hey, I, I noticed you talked about this. What would you suggest for me? Or I want to do this. How do you think I could do it? Or I'm struggling with this one area. What do you think I should do? Yeah, you can do that. Certainly the whole time. Alrighty. Anybody else have questions? I'm going to turn my thing back on so I can see all your lovely faces. There we are. There's Yolanda. Hi guys. Um, so if there's no more questions, I will see you guys. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow. And if you haven't, oh, there we go. There's some more people. If you haven't, um, if you're not on our email list, again, um, just drop either in this chat, I'll see it in the chat box, chat room, put your email, or uh, if you don't want it, you know, as, well, it'll still be public. You can always email us directly or you can email me directly if you'd like, Camille at Camille underscore L like as in Larry, at sbcglobal.net. Camille underscore L at sbcglobal.net. I will add you to our email list. Uh, we do a lot of trainings throughout the year on all kinds of specific things. And so uh, make sure to, we'll add you to our email list, our newsletter. All right. Anybody else having questions? Otherwise I'm going to sign off and um, I will see you guys tomorrow. We're good. All right. See you guys. Bye.